Welcome to The Yogi Social Worker, a podcast about all things yoga and mental health. I'm your host, The Yogi Social Worker, also known as Elizabeth, and I invite you to join me in this space for a time of learning, self-care, and whatever else I feel like throwing in here. So buckle up and let's jump into it. Hello and welcome to The Yogi Social Worker. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If this is your several time listening, I just made up that word, welcome back. Uh, today's topic that I want to talk about is very, very important and very relevant to yoga, especially trauma-informed yoga. And so if you are clicking on this being like, I don't really know what that is, I don't really care, whatever, please continue listening. I think that there's some really relevant and helpful information about intuitive movement that is so applicable to yoga and ultimately applicable to mental health healing. I think that besides your breath, breathing, breath work, really getting in tune with being in the present moment with your breath, intuitive movement is right up there with the key to healing and really getting in touch with what's going on in your body because ultimately as i've said before your brain and body my brain and body all of our brains and bodies are connected and to really process emotional burdens and traumas and things that we carry around really heavily with us we have to get into our bodies and so with intuitive movement you are getting into your body and you're figuring out where you're really holding emotional tension and what you need to release, how you need to move with that, how you need to breathe into that. And at the end of the day, it's all connected. So intuitive movement is really important to yoga, to mental health, to healing. And we are going to talk all about it. So I actually made which is rare, I made a list of points that I really want to hone in on with this because there is so much that I could talk about and share with intuitive movement. But I want to try to keep this clear and concise. I don't know how concise I will ever be in these conversations, but I'm going to give it a go and let's jump into it. We are going to start right off the top with a good old fashioned definition because we love definitions here. So I am pulling it up on Google, which is the all-knowing machine of everything. And the first definition that pulls up when I look up intuitive movement is the practice of connecting and listening to your body to figure out how it feels and what type of movement it needs that day. So I'll read that one more time. Intuitive movement is the practice of connecting and listening to your body to figure out how it feels and what type of movement it needs that day. So two key words that stick out to me there, connecting and listening. Listening to your body. If you have been to a yoga class or several yoga classes or you're a seasoned yogi, you will hear this term. You will have heard this term probably more times than you care to hear it. Listen to your body. Listen to your body. Always listen to your body. And it's funny because at least in my experience, and I've, I've been this teacher too, where, you know, you'll have a teacher and you're, maybe you're in a really challenging yoga class and it's faster paced or it's a more advanced flow. 
and the teacher's like, okay, now, you know, put your leg here and bring your arm up here and hold for five breaths. And they're, you know, we're, they're doing Simon says with you, but then, you know, halfway through like, but listen to your body, you know, listen to your body. Don't do anything that doesn't feel right in your body. And it's just funny because, and I've said this before with, with, trauma-informed yoga, it's a lot less about Simon Says and a lot more about presenting everything that you're cueing as, I invite you to do this, option to do this, perhaps you feel like doing this, maybe you don't feel like doing that and that's okay. So it's less Simon Says and more presenting as, go ahead and right off the top, listen to your body. And then if it feels okay in your body, go ahead and do it. If it doesn't, then back off from it or you can do something totally different. So it's funny that we, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that, but listen to your body. <laughs> but when when teachers say it, at least the teachers that I am around, we all really genuinely mean it. It's when we say listen to your body, we genuinely mean if this is causing you to feel really off please back off. Please don't hold a shape or move your body in a way that feels really off. You know, if it feels unsafe, if there's any pain associated with it, if you're feeling such intense tension that you feel like you just need to scream, like back off from it, right? Like we, we really do mean it when we say, listen to your body. But the issue with that phrase, in my humble opinion, is that we don't explain really what that means. You know, you tell somebody to listen to their body in a culture that people are trained not to listen to their bodies. We are trained to do the complete opposite in our culture because it is such a fast-paced culture that we live in, right? It's, you know, you go to your job every single day, this time to this time, or sometimes you don't even know when you're leaving and you have all these requirements and there's no there's no questioning it. It's you get up, you have this job, you go to the job, you do this, you do that, you do that, you do that, you rush around, you have this set schedule Monday through Friday or whatever your work schedule is, whatever, whatever demands that you have in your life have nothing to do with, oh, well, if it feels right for you today, you know, maybe you can get this, this deadline, you know, get this paperwork done by this deadline. But if that doesn't feel right for you, if you're feeling really off today, that's okay. Like we can move the deadline. No, that's not how the world works at all. And so it, we live in a world that does, does not create an environment for listening to your body, for waking up and being like, huh, let me take a few minutes and really tune into where I'm at emotionally. Like, am I waking up feeling super anxious? Am I already jumping to the to-do list? Do I feel like I have a busy day and I have to jump out of bed and get going? And, you know, do I feel off? You know, if you're a female and you have your monthly cycle, that will also impact, right? It's like you, you may feel like absolute shit for an entire week out of the month. That doesn't matter. You still have to show up. You still have to do the things that you do all the other three weeks of the month. Like whatever it is, we are not listening to our bodies in this culture at all. And so when you walk into a yoga class, especially if you're not someone who's super connected to your own body or super familiar with that world and a teacher is saying listen to your body it's just going to be words going in one ear and out the other you're going to have no idea what that means so all of that tangent to say because i'm not concise clearly 
is when we listen to our body, we are practicing intuitive movement. So this doesn't just have to be a, I walk into a class and I'm tuning in, like, does this, does this shape feel right? Does this movement feel right? Does this breath work feel right? Does it not? It's also, as soon as you wake up first thing in the morning, how are you feeling in your body? What would feel really good for you to get your day started? Now, of course, the caveat of all the demands that we have, right? If you have kids, if you have a really demanding work schedule that you have to get up early for, whatever, we have all of these things that we're, we're working against. And that's just unfortunately the reality of this culture. But even even just opening your eyes, your alarm goes off or whatever, open your eyes. Can you take two minutes to lay there, even not even, okay, let's say 60 seconds. You're just really pressed for time. You've got a kid screaming in the other room, whatever. Can you take 60 seconds to keep your eyes closed, do a couple of deep breaths, maybe stretch, stretch your arms up overhead, like pretend like you're coming out of a Shavasana, stretch your arms up overhead, wiggle your fingers and toes, maybe twist to the side, whatever. Tune into how you're feeling. Am I racing to the to-do list? Am I, am I feeling kind of like tense? Am I really sore? this morning waking up? Like, what am I feeling in my body? And what would what would be a really great way for me to start my day when I have a couple minutes, if I have a couple minutes? Should I just do a couple of stretches, you know, maybe a forward fold? Should I, whatever, whatever it is, whatever that you're feeling, you know, maybe you feel like you've been really, you have your neck is really kinked from how you slept or whatever. So maybe you do some neck rolls, whatever the case, that's a very, very simple way to start an intuitive movement practice. So listening to your body is the whole premise, in my opinion, of intuitive movement. And it's not just in yoga. It's not just in your workouts. It's not just that that time that you devote to moving your body. It's an everyday thing, or it can be an everyday thing. And I say this as somebody who does not spend time every morning that I wake up taking my 60 seconds to close my eyes and do my breath work and stretch my arms up overhead. That's an ideal, that's an ideal situation of you remember to do that when you wake up, right? You don't just um, automatically reach for the phone and start scrolling Instagram or check your messages that you missed after you went to bed or whatever. So intuitive movement is something that takes practice and it takes a lot of intentionality because again, if I didn't repeat it enough, we don't live in a world, in a society, in a culture that encourages us to take it slow, listen to our bodies. How are you feeling today? How you feel today may not create the same output and production as you know how you felt yesterday and that's okay. That's not the world we live in. So it's very foreign to, in my opinion, like 99% of people to listen to their bodies and know really what's going on. How are they actually feeling? Because how you feel emotionally impacts how your body is going to feel and vice versa. So if we can get in touch with, I'm feeling really, really sluggish today. I wonder why that is. And then start to go down that rabbit hole, even if it's a 30 second, 60 second rabbit hole of how you're feeling physically and how it's affecting you mentally. 
it's going to go a long ways. And if nothing else, it's just going to create more self-awareness in how you function day to day. I, I struggled for years with being disconnected from, you know, my, my physical body versus how I was feeling emotionally. And so I spent so many years, you know, one week I'd be like, oh, I feel so energized and I feel good and I'm productive and I'm on this week and it was a great week. And then the next week is a complete 180 and I feel like I'm just flopped. And I'm like, why am I so lethargic? Why don't I have energy? Like I'm not able to get anything done. And then I start to beat myself up of there's no re like nothing happened. There's no reason you should be tired. Da 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 da. And those simple the simple practice that I could have incorporated if I had known and understood how to was being like, okay, I'm feeling more tired. First of all, I'm not going to judge that. It is what it is. I feel more tired. Maybe I can take a few minutes whenever I have more time today, whether it's before I go to work, maybe it's when I get home, maybe it's when I have a break and sit there and get in touch with why do I feel this way? And if I can't figure out, that's okay. Let me try to do some things to help get my energy up just a little bit, even if it's just enough to get through my day. And then maybe I will try to plan some time to have some rest time, even if it's five minutes. Next bullet point that I do want to emphasize, I said this at the beginning of, of this episode, but intuitive movement is very ingrained in trauma-informed yoga. And I have talked about trauma-informed yoga on here and explained that it's a very choice-oriented, inclusive uh, approach to yoga where you are not just telling people that they have to move their bodies in a certain way or they have to breathe in a certain way or whatever it is. You're giving people lots of freedom and making them feel like they have a lot of choice in how they do or don't move their bodies and that your cues are not the end all be all because we don't, we don't know exactly how everyone else is feeling in the room and everyone is feeling different to a, a certain point. So intuitive movement gives you a feeling of safety when you are, I'm going to give the example of practicing yoga. When you're practicing yoga, it gives you a feeling of safety and autonomy. So for example, if we're doing a warm up at the beginning of class and you're sitting there and maybe the teacher instructs you to inhale as you sweep your arms up overhead and then on your exhale, drop your right hand next to you and lift your left arm all the way up and over. And then maybe you hold for a couple rounds of breath and then the teacher's like, okay, on your next inhale, sweep your arms all the way up to the sky and then take it to the left. Maybe you're like, oh man, it feels really good to have this stretch right here. I just want to stay here for a few more rounds of breath. Listening to your body would be completely ditching that teacher's cue of, okay, now lift your arms all the way back up overhead and take it to the other side. You will end up staying in that stretch for a couple more rounds of breath. That is listening to your body. That is practicing intuitive movement because you're tuning in in that moment to oh man, I almost, I, I, this just feels so nice. I don't know why it just feels really good to have this release and this stretch in the left side of my body, my ribs, you know, all the way up through my arm. It just feels really nice and it feels really releasing. I'm going to stay here for a few more rounds of breath. So that is attunement to your own body, your own sensations, what's going on internally with you as well as externally, because obviously there's an external physical sensation that's going on in your body as well. So it's all about 
attunement. And attunement is a very present awareness of what is going on with you. You can also have attunement of others, but in this in this specific case of what we're talking about, attunement over or to what's actually going on with your body and what feels super nice and super releasing and just, ah, oh, I just want to stay here and take a few deep rounds of breath. And if you've practiced yoga more than once, you probably know what that feeling is like when, when a teacher cues a shape or a stretch or a certain type of movement. And you're like, I don't know why, but this just feels so nice. And I could stay here for like another 30 seconds. Well, when you have that thought and that feeling, stay there for another 30 seconds. And will you look like the weirdo that's not doing everything else the other people in the class are doing? Maybe, maybe you will look like a weirdo, but if the yoga teacher is also attuned to what's going on with them and what's going on with the practice in the room, they're not going to call you out on that. Um, I'm sure that there are yoga teachers out there that would call you out or say something. And if so, that's that's not a you thing, that's a them thing. Uh, if again, if they are attuned as well, they will be recognizing that, oh, okay, this person feels, they must just be really feeling this right now. And you know, it's not like you're gonna stay there for the remainder of class. I mean, maybe you will. And if you do, great, that's fine too. But in most cases, and at least for myself, when I go to a yoga practice or go to a yoga class and practice yoga, or I have students in my classes who do that, it's, you know, it's usually something simple, like we're in a stretch and I'm cueing them to move to the other side or move to the next thing. And they want to stay a little bit longer and they will do that. And they'll stay there for a few seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, and then they will move on and, and maybe catch up with the rest of the class and whatever we're doing. And that's usually the scenario that happens. And again, with trauma-informed yoga, there's a lot more hey, if you want to stay in this shape for longer, go for it. And that's always the language that I'm using when I teach. I always tell people, if this feels really good for you right now, stay here. You're welcome to stay here as long as you want. If you are ready to come out of this shape, if you're ready to move to the other side, I invite you to go ahead and start to do that. And then I'll cue whatever it is that we're doing next. And I have noticed that the more I do that, and when I say it, it is from a sincere place of please stay here. Like I genuinely mean that when I say it. And the more I do that in classes, especially when I have regular students come back for, you know, for my classes, they start to do it more and more. And it's really cool to see people get a little bit more comfortable in their bodies because you can tell, you can tell when they're not quite following you on cue. And it's because they're like, hmm, well, this kind of feels nice. I'm going to stay here. Or for some people, it doesn't feel nice at all. Maybe there's some pain. Maybe there's just something that's being really activated with a, a stretch or a posture, whatever it is, and they they won't do it or they'll modify it, you know. And sometimes I'll see somebody struggling for whatever reason. Maybe it doesn't feel good physically. Maybe there's an emotional component to it. They just don't feel comfortable getting in a shape that I'm cueing. And then I will throw out, if I if I see it specifically, I will definitely throw out, you know, if, if this isn't feeling right for you, here is an alternative or here's a modification or, or, or whatever variation on this shape. So all of that to say, intuitive movement takes lots of practice. And it's not just about 
practicing just attunement to yourself, right? Well, what does feel good? Like, would it feel good for me to face my palms down on my lap while we're sitting here doing breath work? Or would it feel better to face my palms up? Like, I actually don't know. Let me kind of play with that and practice that and see what that feels like. Like, it's, it's, it's a very, it's called intuitive for a reason. There's no logic behind it. It's just in a moment, ah, this feels good or this doesn't feel good no logic to it. I don't really know why. I don't really understand why. And it doesn't matter why. It's just me listening to my body and thus connecting and, and, or creating connection within my brain and body and my whole internal system. And so, yeah, intuitive movement is, is just that you feel it, you do it, it feels good or it doesn't feel good. And it just is. It just is what it is. So along with the practice that it takes to start to become more attuned and more aware of what's going on in your body and listen to your body, as we say, there's also this element. And in my opinion, it's probably the biggest element that goes against us in listening to our bodies, especially in a group setting. So there's this element of, well, I'm going to look weird and I'm going to look different and I'm going to stand out if I do the opposite of what everyone's doing, or if I'm not moving right when everyone else moves out of this shape or this stretch. And it takes a lot of balls to walk into a yoga class and sit there and be like, I am going to feel what I need today and get out of this practice what I need, even if it doesn't look exactly like what the teacher's cueing or what everyone else is doing. And there can be a huge element of shame that is in a yoga studio and a yoga class. And I think a lot of us don't realize that it's shame, but at the end of the day, if we really, really funnel down all the emotions and all the, all the self-doubts and all the things that pop up when we're in a yoga class, I think most of it really comes back to shame. And when I say shame, I mean that overwhelming feeling of if I'm not doing what I'm being told to do, it's not going to feel good and it's not going to feel right. And people are going to look at me and people are going to judge me and the teacher's going to call me out. And it's, it's all these anxieties and intrusive thoughts and worries and just self-deprecating feelings of, okay, I, I need to do, I need to do exactly, exactly what everyone else is doing. And I don't want to be called out and I don't want to feel like I'm being bad. And I experienced that a ton, a ton, a ton when I first started yoga because it's super intimidating to walk into a yoga class. First of all, it just is for most people. It's just, an, it can be intimidating. Even if the studio is super welcoming and down to earth and whatever, it can still be scary and intimidating, especially if you're not well-versed in yoga. So I had a lot of feelings of shame around that. You know, I always was like, I have to do exactly this and I have to move exactly like that. And I never listened to my body in the beginning of my yoga practice because I didn't know what that was. Uh, and, but the more I got into it and the more work I did on myself and the more I learned about somatic work and attunement and all these things over the years that have had to come together for me to understand this stuff and understand intuitive movement and yoga and healing, I finally gotten to a point where I can now, I would say 98% of the time I can walk into a class and I am have zero focus on anyone else, literally zero. I'm focused in on what the teacher's saying and what's going on with me. Like my goal, my priority is to 
get in tune with what's going on with me. How am I feeling today? What am I struggling with? And what do I really need out of this practice? Do I feel more anxious? Do I need to be a little bit more grounded today? Or do I feel really lethargic, really kind of down and out? Do I need to be a little bit more energized? Like what is going on in my brain and body? And how can I offset that with this hour that I have for myself? And so that's always my goal. And so I'm I'm, I'm literally never looking around. Like I could give two fucks what anyone else in a yoga class is doing. And, and that's because I've had all of this time to practice and really become acquainted with who I am, what I need, and I don't care what anyone else is doing or what they think about it. They can think I'm the weirdest person in a yoga class. I don't care. I don't even care what the teacher thinks. Like it is okay to ditch your yoga teacher because your yoga teacher does not know what's going on in your brain, does not know what's going on in your body. They don't know your struggles. They don't know how you're feeling that day. They have sequence day class and it's not going to be exactly applicable to you or anyone else in that room. So, you know, do your own thing sometimes and that's okay it's okay to do your own thing and people shouldn't care about that people shouldn't judge that but we're all human and we all you know we all struggle with that from time to time so you may have a a yoga teacher look at you weird or some students or whatnot especially depending on the type of studio and the vibe and and all of that there's so many factors that come into play but I do want to emphasize that feeling of shame that we all, we all experience shame. And if you think you don't, then you either need to be a little bit more attuned to yourself or a little bit more honest with yourself because we all do. And, and it shows up a lot in yoga. It really does. Unfortunately, any sort of physical body thing, there's going to be shame involved. And it I, it doesn't even mean that you are self-conscious about your physical body. It's, it's so much more about the emotional and fears of being judged, fears of feeling like you're not doing something good enough, fears of like somebody thinking you're bad. And that all, all those dynamics play out in the yoga space, which is why yoga is so freaking brilliant because Whatever is playing out in your emotional life, in your day-to-day life, always shows up in the yoga space. It always does because it's it's not just going to the gym and lifting weights and then leaving. It's It's a whole thing. It's a whole practice. And it can really, really challenge you and bring out your deepest fears, your deepest insecurities. And hopefully you have the chance to practice with a teacher who is super attuned and accommodating to you being able to listen to your body. Now, I do want to point out a very important caveat to this whole discussion, because I think that sometimes we can get so caught up in, oh, I'm just listening to my body and I'm just moving however feels good for me. That is important, especially in a trauma-informed approach. However, it is very necessary and very important to sometimes push yourself beyond what you feel like you're capable of or and or push yourself beyond what you feel like doing in that particular moment. It is 
super important. And I have personally hit a wall in my own yoga practice, my own self-work, where I have I have spent so many years trying to free myself from this regimented life that I feel like I had to have and this just all of the constraints that I felt just enclosed in in my life and I've spent so many years trying to free myself from that and feel like I have a sense of autonomy in the world and feel like I have choice in things and in my own life and all of these things. And yoga has helped me so much with that. But then I feel like I got to a point where it was almost too loosey-goosey and I was losing structure in a lot of ways in my life. And so for me, I have had to really sit down with this concept and be like, okay, there is a balance. There has to be a balance between intuitive movement, listening to my body, going with the flow, doing what feels good on a day-to-day basis for me. But also I still have goals and I still have things that I have to show up for and do in my life. And those things require structure and those things require me to push myself and get up even on the days that I don't feel like it. So for example, I am doing, I have recently started an Ashtanga yoga practice. If you're not familiar with that, that's a whole other, whole other type of yoga that I do not teach, but I'm starting to incorporate it for myself as a student and learning it. And part of that, part of the component of Ashtanga, if you're really serious about it, is having a regular practice where you show up at the same time, however many days a week and you do the movement and you push through even on the days that you don't feel like it and that has just about killed me mentally (laughs) it's been so challenging for me but because i'm attuned with my body and my my emotions and just where i'm at in my life right now i need that structure i need to be pushed even when I don't feel like it. And it does not mean that I am in pain. I'm not pushing through pain. I'm not pushing through injuries. I'm not doing something that's unhealthy for me. It's it's needed because I'm needing to now find a balance of, okay, I have all this autonomy. I'm all loosey-goosey, free-flowing, hippie person in my life, but I need to bring back some structure. And so for me, the practice of Ashtanga yoga is bringing some of that structure back for me that I really, really need, both physically, just in my day-to-day schedule, but also mentally, it's really challenging me and, and forcing me to work through some things that maybe I haven't worked through before. So there is a balance that you have to find. And this is with everything in life. There's a balance when it comes to moving your body, working out, what you put in your body, right? Your lifestyle, when to push yourself, when to not. And in yoga, there is a balance of, I'm aware of what's going on. I'm going to feel into that. I'm going to let myself just be if that feels right. But also, maybe I need to push myself today. Maybe I need to push myself a little bit more. And in my very personal opinion, I think that a, just in general, when you're going to a generic yoga class or taking a class online or whatever, a well-balanced class is going to give you a little bit of all of that. You're, for me, for example, at the beginning of a class, I always do what I call a check-in and it's time for people to settle in 
find some stillness, find some silence, what's going on with you. So I provide a time at the beginning of every single one of my yoga classes for people to check in with themselves. What is going on with you? What are the thoughts that are popping in and out of your head right now? Are you in the past? Are you in that to-do list that you have to do after this? Where is your head at? Where are your thoughts at? How do you feel about yourself today? Are you being super judgmental? Do you, you know, where, where is your headspace at emotionally? Where are you at? Are you stressed? Are you anxious? Are you struggling with depression? Like what's going on? Like, you know, so all of these, all of these check-ins I do with people that have literally nothing to do with movement at all. Zero movement, zero asana, just, and if you don't know asana means movement in, in yoga. So asana is all of the physical postures that we're doing in yoga. So no asana movement, no, no, nothing, no, where do you feel tense in your body? It's just, how do you feel today walking into this class? And then what do you need out of this class for yourself? Take a few moments, think about what you need. And for me, I usually, depending on the type of class, I like to usually do a theme. So a lot of times my themes are more mental health based. So it'll be, you know, uh, grounding or energy or, you know, whatever. So I usually do a theme at the beginning of my class, but I take the opportunity with the check-in to say, this is my theme. This is my intention for the class, but my intention may not match your intention and that's okay. So what is your intention for your practice? What do you need out of this? And I will ask people to ask themselves, what does your body need for this next hour? What do your body and brain need from you for this next hour? Go with that. And if I teach something that's not in line with that, then don't do it. Do what feels in line with you. <clears throat> so there is that at the beginning that's the attunement, right? The listening to your body, opportunity to tune into what you need and inviting people to utilize intuitive movement. I don't call it that necessarily, but it's, hey, if anything doesn't feel right for you, that's okay. Do what feels right for you in this class. But also I am going to push them a little bit. So if I, if I find that, you know, somebody is in a shape, for example, a, a yin shape and we're holding it for a little bit longer. We're holding the stretch for longer. And I can tell that they're kind of getting antsy and they want to get out of it. I may just say in general, Hey, if you feel like, you know, unless you're experiencing pain, if you're just feeling discomfort right now, I encourage you to stay here. We're only going to be here for about another 30 seconds. You can do it. You can stay here for another 30 seconds. So there is a yin yang balance as we call it in yoga of be in tune. What's going on? What do you need out of this practice? Listen to your body. And also I'm going to push you a little bit because I think you can stay in that stretch for 30 more seconds. I think you're just getting antsy and it's feeling a little bit uncomfortable, right? So a balance, a well-balanced yoga class is going to give you all of those elements. Again, in my own opinion, this is just my style of teaching. This is what works for me. And it encourages both intuitive movement and maybe push yourself a little bit, maybe learn a little something new. And that, that balance of listening to your body and also pushing yourself is going to encourage self-awareness. It's going to encourage growth and you're just going to feel so much better after, after whatever 
whether it's an hour yoga practice, whether it's five minutes, whether it's just a quick check-in that you do with yourself at the beginning or end of a day, you're going to feel better at the end of all of it. And that's what matters. And growth is important. Self-awareness important. They all work together for the healing of our mental health and the mental affects physical and the physical affects the mental. And we're all just one big blob of energy. That's, uh, yeah, if you take anything away from this podcast or this episode, you're just one big blob of energy and that's it. That's it. So thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, seriously though, I, I think I'm, I think I'm done. I think I'm going to wrap it up there. And I hope that you took something from this. Maybe you learned something. Maybe it was just an encouragement to you. Uh, and yeah, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like me to tackle on here, I invite you to send me an email. My email is irisembodimentcenter at gmail.com. It's also in the description of this podcast. So thank you for being here. I hope that you are surviving wherever you're at in life. And until next time. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, or you just enjoy this podcast in general, I invite you if it feels right for you to click that follow button or that subscribe button or whatever button is listed there and maybe write me a review. Maybe not. Depends on what you feel like doing. And if you are curious about my offerings, all the things that I do online, I invite you to check me out either at irisembodimentcenter.com or on YouTube at The Yogi Social Worker. See you next time.